Babs, this shit crazy. Jamie on the beat, boy. This is the Trophy Room, aka Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer. Wherever you are on this Monday, thank you for making me a part of your day. Even though it's Wednesday, I'm just so phased out with the week. I'm a little bit sick, so I'm just trying to make it through, get healthy for my sideline on Friday. Coming up, one NFL owner has been sworn to secrecy. A major sports has-been is mounting a comeback, but is he really just a one-hit wonder? Plus, the Clippers' title chances may have been buzzed off last night. That is all coming up, along with much, much more. As you all know, it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees these days. You look it up, all you get is sketchy third-party products on Etsy and eBay. None of it's real. Game Changers throwing a wrench into all of that. Game Changers is a real company that puts real quality in the phrase, you get what you pay for. They make high-end quality shirts with all your favorite NFL and NBA teams and players, as well as rappers and other culture icons. If you head over to GameChangers.LA, you can use promo code HAMMERTIME23 for $10 off. No minimum order required. That's just $10 off. HAMMERTIME23 with a capital H. And as you know, if you have any issues, their customer service is quick and incredible. Go ahead, give me a follow on Instagram and TikTok, at BHAMMERTIME. Two E's at the end instead of one. Shoutouts. So we had a take on Monday that is clearly panning out and paying wonders, or it will be if you head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, which I am not sponsored by, even though I said it like I was. But the Lions, just in the signing of a couple free agents, including Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, CJ Gardner-Johnson, is it the same? I swear I read both, and so I'm so confused on which it is. Regardless, there's good news if you're a Lions fan. If you're, because I feel like every year, you don't get to switch fandom every year, but I feel like, especially if you gamble, I don't, but I feel like you get to pick one team to say, I'm hot on these guys. It's like buying stocks. You don't have to be, you don't even have to like Disney to buy Disney stock. You do have to be an idiot to buy Disney stock, but you don't have to be a fan of Disney. Um, and I think the same is true with sports. I don't know if the Lions are my one uh, stock team that I want to buy, but they could be. So the Lions Super Bowl odds, according to DraftKings, Sportsbook have increased. They've jumped two teams. So let me, let's play a little guessing game. We're going to go the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven teams ahead of the Lions. We have better Super Bowl odds. So Lions are eight. So here's a hint. I'll give you the two teams that they jumped. They jumped the Chargers. They jumped the Dolphins. I don't know if they have an, if they're better teams, but I do think the NFC is just so much easier than the AFC, especially the AFC North, especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves. So it, it makes winning the division pretty simple. But let's just go. Okay, the number one team, you probably can guess, Kansas City Chiefs. They are the favorite. But their odds went from 550 to plus 600. So, the betting odds moving a little bit there. Number two, can you guess who the number two team is? It is the San Francisco 49ers, which is really incredible considering we still don't know who's playing quarterback for them. Number three. I feel like number three is a little bit of a gimme, but also based on the way that last year went for the squad, it was a little underwhelming. Number three is going to be 
Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills. Okay? Makes sense. Four is a team, you know, I, I was high on them last year. I was fly Eagles fly, baby. But I don't know how high I am on the Eagles this year. They've lost quite a few critical pieces. And I'm not doubting them. I do think their division is still winnable, despite what the New York Giants want you to believe. And we know what the Washington Commanders are. So, and then the Cowboys are the accident waiting to happen. I just, I if I was ranking who has the best chance to go to the Super Bowl next year, the Eagles would not be in my top four respectfully. I'd probably put them at five or six, probably closer to six. The next best team after the Eagles, that would be one Joe Shiesty and the Cincinnati Bengals, which... I like because I think that Joe Burrow is the second best quarterback in the entire National Football League. I don't think that's close. I I don't know that everyone agrees with me, but I don't care. I do think Joe Burrow, I mean, I think he's the modern day Dan Marino. Other than Jamar Chase, he does way more with way less than everybody else, all things considered. This is where things get really wild. This is the sixth best odds to go to the Super Bowl. And, again, I'm not even sure that they are the second best team in their division. And that would be one New York Jets. So Vegas clearly believes that however this is going to happen, the Packers and the Jets are getting a deal done and Aaron Rodgers is going to New York. My gripe here, though, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show, is I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be as successful in New York as everyone believes that he will be. And spoiler alert, they're only getting one good year out of him, which we will touch into later. So here's the last team who has better odds than the Lions to win the Super Bowl. It's an NFC team. I'm going to give you a second to just, just think about it. NFC team that we haven't talked about yet. Stephen A. Smith's favorite team. That would be the accident waiting to happen. That is the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not falling into the trap. Because every year we somehow find a way to say this year is different for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's not different to me. I know they got Brandon Cooks. Dax healthy was healthy to finish out the year last year. You cut Zeke, so making some money back. I still just don't buy it. I think as long as Jerry Jones is in the drama business, I think tensions will be riding too high in Dallas in order to win the Super Bowl, especially when you got the AFC as loaded as it is. So then, yeah, after the Lions, plus 2,500, the Chargers and Dolphins. And, I mean, I, I think the Chargers are better than the Lions, and I think the Dolphins are better than the Lions, and they certainly take X and O's out of it. The rosters are better in L.A. and Miami than they are in Detroit. However, it's not always about that. And the fighting Dan Campbells with their 18 espresso shots every single day. They got them rolling. So there's your uh, there's your shout-out to me saying the Lions are going to be semi-legit this year. They were semi-legit last year. They're going to be an improvement this season. And uh, the Vegas odds obviously know what I'm talking about. Clearly. Okay. 
there's a lot of different ways that we can come at this story and I'm trying to debate in my mind what the best way is because there's a take that I've had in sports probably the last five years and I think I'm the only person that I've ever heard say this. So either I'm ridiculous or I've just seen the writing on the wall or maybe not writing on the wall, but I think, well, no, let's start here because I actually really like this story. So Carissa Thompson, she is the pregame and postgame host on Amazon Prime Thursday Night Football. She's also on Fox. I think she does one of the Sunday NFL Fox pregame shows. And then whenever you hear the little updates when you're watching Fox NFL on Sundays, She's the one who comes in and does the updates. Like, oh, Lions scored a touchdown. This is what happened. This is the score. And then toss back to them. So that's Carissa Thompson. Beautiful. Incredible at her job. But she has a cool story because she knew she wanted to work in sports. She didn't have a ton of experience. So here's what she did. Came out of college. Applied to work at the sports network. They didn't have a job open in on-air talent so she applied to work in hr once she got there she worked really hard at her job and in the interview process told the guy she was interviewing with hey this isn't what i want to do i don't love hr i absolutely want to be sideline reporter a host all of that stuff and i will work as hard as you want me to in this job do whatever you ask me to but i would really love to be able to make the jump And it happened. Obviously, she's big time at Fox now. But the point of the story being, sometimes the job that you want in life, either the company's not hiring, and you don't have what they want, or you have it, they just don't believe it. That's most of the time how it goes in life. Nobody just wakes up and gets the job of their dreams. It just doesn't work like that. Unless you want to be an accountant or a teacher, and those are noble professions, and I'm so grateful for everybody who does those jobs. But in the corporate success side of life, those jobs don't just open up. you got to grind your way into those opportunities. And so regardless of whether you have it or you don't, you got to find your own way in. And just because you have the talent, if we go and, and we have a scale, talent does not equal results. Here's what I'm talking about here. So Cam Newton comes out in a video yesterday, two days ago, and says, quote, tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to show you. I can't wait to show you. We, there's so many layers to this, which you wouldn't think would be the case with a Cam Newton story. But here's where I start. Before we get into whether or not Cam Newton is actually going to make a comeback, let's remember this. Now, I've said this on numerous occasions on this podcast in my daily life, and now I'm starting to think I might be wrong. I think Cam Newton is the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. I think Cam Newton had one great year that's it there's plenty of people who put out one hit song they make plenty of money and then we never hear from them ever again 
Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe, that came out on my phone the other day. I, I haven't ever heard of Carly Rae Jepsen ever again. I don't even know what she's doing. Or um, Friday by Rebecca Black when I was in middle school. That was a big thing. I don't even know where that girl's at right now. Cam Newton was a one-hit wonder. Outside of college. Because he was electric in college. At Auburn. But as far as the NFL goes, it's more likely than not that while Cam was a serviceable and decent NFL quarterback, he was more a one-hit wonder than he was Journey or Boston. So the let's just go through the uh, the superlatives of Cam. The last time Cam won a game, 2020. The last time Cam passed for 3,000 yards, 2018. The last time Cam Newton was in a playoff game, 2017. The last time Cam Newton made a Pro Bowl, 2015. That was the last time he was a Pro Bowler, was eight to nine years ago. And it wasn't prefaced by a long line of Pro Bowls. That was the last time he was a Pro Bowler. And he was young then. Cam Newton was a one-hit wonder. And that hit was called almost a Super Bowl. Or you could call it Von Miller ruined my life. 2015. That's when the single dropped. Tried to put out albums after that. And it just never really panned out. And so now Cam Newton, he throws at Auburn's Pro Day yesterday. He was the quarterback to dish to all of these receivers at the Auburn Pro Day. And this is just a side note, but can we stop acting and pretending like, especially for Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick, if you want to say that Pro Days for quarterbacks, I mean, yeah, it's cool to see what guys can do, but even Blake Freeland, this is a great example, set absolute records at the NFL Combine as an offensive lineman. And as a result of that, do you know what everyone said? Oh, well, because he was able to compete like that, because he was able to run that fast and jump that high, that means he's probably going to get tossed around as an NFL offensive lineman, which may or may not be true. But my point being, no matter what you do on air, and when I say on air, I mean like no defense, no pushback, there's always going to be someone to have a problem with it and someone to praise it and most of us to not have anything idea, any kind of idea what to do with it. So Cam Newton goes, throws at Auburn's Pro Day yesterday, which I don't know if you saw, but I mean, at this point, I'm starting to think that Cam Newton is not that far off from Colin Kaepernick. They both say dumb things. They were both one-hit wonders. They're both incredibly athletic. That's it. That's the end of the story because... Cam, you couldn't cut it on a team that had Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and P.J. Walker. And people, if if you want to say, does Cam Newton have a spot in this league? Then you go back and you look and you say, okay, well, who's a starter that I would trade out for Cam Newton? Well, who are some of the worst, worst starters in the league? I think a lot of people would say Baker Mayfield. I, I certainly wouldn't put him in the top 15, but I'd probably put him in the 15 to 20 range. But, I mean, he couldn't even... 
Carolina wanted Baker more than they wanted Cam, and both of them got cut. And I don't know there's that many teams clamoring around now saying, I want Baker Mayfield. There's not. So, I, I just don't know if you're a Cam Newton supporter, what evidence do you have that Cam Newton can make a comeback? Even the Patriots tried with him. And, and they, I mean, other than Cam Newton on a quarterback sneak, what has he really been that successful at? His best year ever passing yardage-wise was his rookie year. The only year he threw over, over 4,000 yards, he threw for 21 touchdowns on 17 interceptions. I mean, let's be realistic. Cam Newton is a worse Jameis Winston with more athleticism. Mm. Mm. Tell me I'm wrong. Now, here's the upside. Here's the solution, because I am a man who believes that if you're going to find a problem, find me a solution. This is your solution, Cam. Go back to what I said at the beginning about Carissa Thompson. You know who's a great example? Taysom Hill. And I know this might not be what you want to hear, but beggars can't be choosers. And Cam, you are certainly a beggar, because if the only workout you're getting is from your college doing you a favor that they let you throw at their pro day on air, then you're out here begging for scraps, which is fine because I appreciate the hustle. I appreciate the grind. But nobody wanted Taysom Hill to be a full-time starting quarterback. They still don't, even though Taysom is still trying to cut it as a full-time starting quarterback and props to him. And I realize this segment's gone on a little long. We're going to close it up here. But Cam, if you want to get back in the league, that's the way you do it. You say, look, I'll come in on quarterback sneaks. I will be an athlete. I will be your Swiss army knife. I mean, I think Cam could be a heck of a tight end. I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch him move around. Now, I don't know if it, at this age he still wants to do that, if he's still capable of doing that. But this idea that Cam said that, that he could be a backup in this league, that'll last for two seconds. And the media circus will not be worth that egg. So respectfully, Cam Newton, your only comeback is if you come back the way of the hill, and that is Taysom. Okay, wow. Yeah, I, I apologize. That segment went on for a long time, but there's just so much we had to get out about that. You know what I'm saying? All right, so here's a question for you. Is the media doing too much with John Morant? Because I certainly think so. I mean, he's all over the media. And people are losing their mind for some reason that he was quoting NBA young boy. Um, is this a parade in my city? And people are saying that he's he's coming back too hard and not somber enough. And my pushback to all of this is, are we doing too much to a guy that for all intents and purposes really didn't even commit a crime? And don't get upset with me. I'm not saying that he has nothing to learn and nothing to approve. I absolutely am in the belief that he probably could have afforded to get some counseling. I don't, I'm kind of surprised that there was nowhere in the entire state of Tennessee, Georgia, or South Carolina that were all closer that he could have gone to counseling that he had to go to Florida. That, that does seem a little weird to me. But, I mean... 
that makes me think that it was for the story to say, oh my gosh, he, he couldn't even get it in his own state. He had to go to the best of the best in Florida. Sure. But we are literally blasting a guy, putting him on blast for not ever committing a crime. And these investigations that the NBA has done about him rolling around doing drive-bys, they don't have evidence of it. And I get we have evidence of the gun in the Denver nightclub, which is reckless and moronic and idiotic. Absolutely. But people are becoming polarized over a guy who, for all intents and purposes, never committed a crime. And when you look at it in comparison to what Brandon Miller did, Brandon Miller was essentially an accessory to murder. There's just no way that he didn't know. And the fact that he feels zero remorse about it, that's the other thing. John Morant has shown remorse the whole time, and he said all of the right things. Brandon Miller didn't say the right thing, didn't really say anything other than continue to do a wildly inappropriate pregame celebration. And all I'm saying is, let's not put down a guy for trying to get some help. That's really what we're doing. We're tearing John Moran down for getting help. And I'm not really down with that. Set to return tomorrow against Houston. It'll be interesting to see if this hiatus affects his play at all, if it affects his mental game at all, or if it opens everything up. Because the Grizzlies are certainly in the hunt to win the Western Conference. All right, Packers Aaron Rodgers update. Here's the deal. Brian Murphy, Packers CEO. Fun fact, the Packers are the only publicly traded NFL franchise. Publicly owned. Brian Murphy, who has been a head, a face of management going back and forth with Aaron Rodgers and the beef that lies there, has come out and, quote, sworn to secrecy on Aaron Rodgers and what the moves are behind the scenes. It does feel a little odd that, I mean, Aaron Rodgers made the announcement that we all knew that he was going to make last Wednesday, and we still have heard nothing. Because leading up to that report, every reporter and their dog was reporting everything but that the deal was already done. I mean, Trey Wingo even came out and said that the deal is essentially done. And then you had Aaron Rodgers came and saying, you don't know me. That is also th something that I find really funny for Aaron Rodgers to be so arrogant to say that Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport don't know anything about me. But then Aaron Rodgers got your phone number. So obviously he knows somebody because somebody was willing to give up your phone number. And if that's the case, I have a hard time believing that he has no avenue to get information on you. But that's neither here nor there. But I teased to you earlier that if Aaron Rodgers makes it to New York, because we talked about on Monday, I don't know that the Packers or that the Jets have as much leverage as they believe that they do. I think you're only getting one good year out of Aaron Rodgers, and here's why. The biggest issue with the Packers last year was not that Aaron Rodgers wasn't talented, because he was. And in all reality, he had a decent season. The issue was he didn't want to show up to OTAs. He didn't want to build chemistry with a new young team. So much so that he was willing to call guys out 
and post-game pressers, but wasn't willing to work with them in order to get better. And the only time he decided to stop criticizing Christian Watson and start playing with him was when he got better. But it doesn't seem that that was at any result of anything Aaron Rodgers did personally. Okay, well, all of those issues that we just outlined, explain to me how those are going to be any different in New York. Because the one thing the Jets are riding on is that they have one of the best drafts that we've seen in a long time. You got Garrett Wilson and you got Sauce Gardner. You got a bunch of other dudes. You got Brees Hall. This team is incredibly young. You're telling me that Aaron Rodgers is going to wake up and one day change. Here's a little bit of a newsflash. Hopefully it's not. People don't really change that much. They want you to believe they do. They want to, but people really don't change that much, especially guys like Aaron with a mentality like that. And look, he hasn't really had to. He's gotten away. I mean, he's supremely talented, supremely talented. He's gotten away with not working out with his guys as early, not showing up to OTAs, not showing up to training camp. He doesn't have to because he's that freaking good at football. Here's the issue, and this is the difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, which people were in my comments about. Tom Brady, during COVID, goes to Tampa. Guess what? Still finds a way to work out with his guys. Aaron Rodgers, zero excuse not to, doesn't work out with his guys. All I'm saying is, you're going to get Aaron Rodgers for one year, and he's going to be completely playing off of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Which essentially means he's playing for the Jets and he wants to stick it to the Packers. So he's going to play really hard for them. Not because he loves them, but because he hates the Packers. That will run out after one year. Because we've seen it, again, every single offseason with Packers, Aaron Rodgers. It's, well, do I want to play again next year? What do I want to do? Do I want to go to Denver? Do I want to go to Dallas? It's always something with Aaron. And hate is not as strong of a motivator as love or pure desire. And I'm telling you, it is not going to be as sexy as everyone wants it to be when Aaron Rodgers goes to New York. Okay. Told you earlier, the Clippers championship title hopes, they may got buzzed last night. Paul George left the game in the second half. After hyperextending his knee. And I don't encourage you to watch the video. Because if you're anything like me. You've hyperextended. You've come down on a knee. Whatever. The pain shoots through your body when you watch that video. And I prayers up for Paul George. Because this is. The guy struggles. And the guy works hard. I mean there was the compound fracture. In. For Team USA a few years ago. Now this. The question is, is their season over? Well, here's the first thing. I, I mean, isn't the whole purpose of load management that your body can handle more? And Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are the king and queen of load management. They should just rename the Clippers the load management duo. question is, is the season over? Well, if you go and look at their stats, you go and look at their home record, their away record, I mean... Everything about the Clippers, unfortunately, 
screams mediocrity. There's not even just one category where they're an outlier, where they're in excess. Their last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. At home, they're 500. On the road, they're also 500. So their overall record, 500. So you're, you're wondering, well, what's their record like when Kawhi and Paul George are on the court? And, and what's their record like when one of them's out? I'd love to tell you, you know what? They both play so much that we don't have a complete sample size for that. But the fact that we have a complete sample size for it, to me, screams a little bit of an issue. So they're 24-14 and 14 when both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play the game. 24-14. and 14, Which, again, you would say, alright, well they have a winning record when they both play. Correct. They're 14-21. and 21. When one of them's out. Do you know what that means? That means they've both played almost half the season. Other than that, one if not both are out. And they don't win games when they're both out. And there's nothing you can hang your hat on to say, well, if they can get this situation, if they can get home playoff games, then they'll win. What would make you think that? They're 500 at home. They're 500 on the road. I guess if you want to say the silver lining is they have just as good of a chance of winning on the road as they do at home, I guess you could say that. But, I mean, that's a dual-edged sword. That's just as good as it is bad because that means you have no home court advantage. Granted, you're moving under the impression that you don't – the other team won't have a home court advantage. Sure, but if Paul George is out – then you're guaranteed to be playing in the 14 and 21 area, which is you lose 21 times out of 35. So you win one out of every three games. Okay, well, in a playoff series, you got to win four. And I'm just not sure if Paul George leaves, if this is going to make the Clippers any chance of winning the NBA Finals because to me, Paul George is the glue that holds that team together more than the Kawhi because you got two leaders. You got mom and dad. I think they're both pretty equal. But Paul George is definitely uh, the nurturer and the communicator and the glue to this team more so than Kawhi. Kawhi is an elite talent, probably better than Paul George. But Paul George is talented and also keeps everybody together. And I just don't think if Paul George is out. I don't know where the cohesion comes through for this team. Um, This is an interesting story. And it's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. But apparently last year, according to Ben Roethlisberger, the San Francisco 49ers reached out towards the end of the season for him to make a comeback. There's two takeaways here. The first is, respectfully, what does Brock Purdy have that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't? Especially before we knew Brock Purdy was what Brock Purdy was. And Brock Purdy was very solid. The only thing different that Brock Purdy has is that he's more athletic. Clearly at this age and at this weight with Ben Roethlisberger. But do not try to convince me that Brock Purdy's arm is any better. Because I know Ben Roethlisberger the last few years of his career was checked down city. 
But Brock Purdy doesn't have that big of an arm either. And they didn't ask him to. They don't need him to. They don't really have a Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. That's fine. And just because he's not one thing doesn't mean he sucks at football. Don't, don't do that. But all I'm saying is I'll take Ben Roethlisberger's 18-plus years of NFL excellence and never really having a bad season. I'll take that over Brock Purdy not knowing the same things that Ben Roethlisberger does because their experience is different. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is if they reached out to Ben Roethlisberger because they knew they wanted a quarterback and they thought that Tom Brady would be on the market, doesn't that make you wonder if the opportunity for Tom Brady is still open? Because I still haven't heard anything. We haven't heard anything from Fox or from Tom Brady to say, I'm getting ready for football. I'm getting ready to be a broadcaster. I'm getting ready to be whoever's analyst. We haven't heard anything about that. All we've heard is that he's taking care of his daughter's cat and that he wants to go to his kids' football games, which I absolutely respect. But Tom, last time I checked, your games are on Sunday. Your kids' games are probably Friday and Saturday. You could go to those games, especially the home ones. And I get being a single dad is a little bit different. But all I'm saying is if the 49ers reached out to Ben Roethlisberger, it tells you, A, they want a quarterback with experience, not that Brock Purdy wasn't good, but it also tells you it is a very likely possibility that they wanted Tom Brady and that they still want him now. Okay, I want to talk about this because I think it's one of the biggest signings of the NFL offseason. I think it says a lot. So Damian Harris, former Patriots running back, very solid running back, Alabama running back, signing with the Buffalo Bills. I find it really interesting that everyone wants to say, oh, well, the Bills' run game sucks. Da, 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 da. If, if they don't have Josh Allen, their run game is trash. Okay, well, we just told you on Monday that the last three Super Bowl teams, they haven't had, they've had barely mediocre rushing offense. And I think we're starting to learn more and more, especially as you have the Austin Ecklers of the world and, and these guys wanting long-term deals at running back. There's so many analytics and stats you can look into. There's uh, a stat that I've heard, especially around SEC running backs, that it's almost like miles on a car. Once you get to a certain point, they just start to fall apart and they're never the same. But I think we're starting to realize that running the football is not as critical as we once thought it was. The NFL is just different. It's not the same. But I do like that the Bills are saying, okay, look, James Cook, we like you, but you're not a pound the rock kind of back. Devin Singletary, we like you, but you're not moving the chains on third and three. Damian Harris, good morning football, angry angry run scepter winner from last year. Just saying. I think it's huge. Now, the Bills still have some offensive line upgrades to make. But the fact that they're willing to be transparent enough to say, look, we could go out and get OBJ right now, but let's focus on what we definitely need. And that is a hard-hitting running back because we can only put so many hits on Josh Allen. 
it's clear that the Bills are serious about correcting some of their mistakes so that they have every possible chance to compete for a Super Bowl. And I think it's one of the most underrated signings of the season. Okay, last season. Another NBA story. Aren't you all happy? This is our... Oh, sorry. We got one more story after this. I can't believe we missed this story, guys. So does Jalen Brown have a right to feel underappreciated? Interesting story. So there's a story out. There's a story out that... Jalen Brown was recently asked about coming back to the uh, Celtics and such. And whether or not he felt disrespected about the conversations with Kyrie and seeing Jason Tatum working out. Or sorry, not with, with, with KD. Not Kyrie. Nobody wants Kyrie. But does Jalen Brown have the right to feel underappreciated? Well, if you remember, there were two separate times where there were talks on the table earlier this season and last season that Jalen Brown was supposedly on the chopping block, on the trade block. And he said his feelings weren't hurt, but he wanted to go where he was rightly appreciated. Look, if you can't get your feelings hurt, I have we had this conversation at work yesterday. If you can't get your feelings hurt, you're in the wrong business. Any kind of show business, entertainment, competition, if you're worried about getting your feelings hurt, go be an accountant. Go be somewhere that's got great job security. But this is not it. This is not the place for that. And I'm proud of Jalen Brown for having been on the trade block twice when respectfully, I mean, he's one of the best players in the NBA. Probably was a little unfortunate that it was that open that he was on the block. But if multiple times... You see your guy or your girl looking at Instagram profiles of of hot people or you occasionally see them DMing someone that they don't want to show you. Your feelings might not get hurt if you're a strong-willed, confident individual. But you may start wondering, oh, that girl at the gym was really cute. Like, you know, the wheels just start to turn. And so absolutely Jalen Brown has a right to feel underappreciated because his girl has been absolutely been looking at Instagram profiles of hotter guys or guys they thought were hotter, like Kevin Durant. Jalen Brown's under contract until the end of next season. And I think if the Celtics don't win a championship by the end of next season, then it might be time to leave anyway, regardless of how they felt about you being on the chopping block. But yes, Jalen Brown absolutely has every right to feel underappreciated because he's put up big numbers in big playoff series and frankly competed real tough against the Warriors in the NBA Finals last year. I mean, he has NBA Finals experience more recently than Kevin Durant, I might add. Just saying. Last story. I can't believe we forgot this story. I apologize. This should have been the lead. Mario Chalmers, who used to play for the Miami Heat, he played for the Kansas Jayhawks, more importantly, he played with LeBron James, and he had this to say, and everybody's kind of up in arms about it, he said, quote, nobody fears Braun, 
Nobody's like, F, I got to go play against Braun tonight. Nobody said that. I don't know why because I've seen people be scared when they actually lined up to him, but they're not scared thinking about that matchup, right? You hear anybody from that era talk about going against Jordan, there's a fear. So when you have people that fear a player, then that's telling you something different already. Like Jordan is just that guy. I think Mario Chalmers just outlined the GOAT discussion. I think LeBron James and Michael Jordan could have the exact same stat line. Finals, MVPs, scoring titles, defensive player of the years, all of that fun stuff. I think no matter what, the mentality that LeBron lacks and the mentality that Michael exemplified, that's why Michael will be the GOAT. The pushback to that, though, I think that's why, because LeBron also wants to be an owner, that's every reason to believe why LeBron James will probably be, I mean, easily be, it's not tough to beat Michael Jordan as an owner. Because Michael was A1 alpha competitive energy. And Kobe was the same way. It was a kill or be killed. It was you and I are getting a cage match and only one of us is walking out. And that's the only way that we're settling this. Guys don't really fear LeBron James. And I think part of that is guys are just a lot nicer than they used to be. But, I mean, I remember Victor Oladipo dunking on LeBron James. And uh, Michael Carter-Williams in his debut the NBA stole LeBron like two, three times. Guys just aren't afraid of LeBron I think social media has done that because you see all these videos with him and his kids. I think the fact that he's making all these movies. I just think LeBron is friendlier than Michael was. And I think what Mario Chalmers said is absolutely true. LeBron just doesn't have the killer personality. He might have the killer mentality, but he doesn't have the killer personality. And for that reason, people will always see Michael Jordan as better than LeBron James. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out. I really appreciate it. I didn't think we were going to make it through the show this well today because my throat is gross. And frankly, I thought about saving it because I do have to do sideline on Friday night. But we made it through. I appreciate you guys so much for hanging out. I always appreciate the new listeners that we got hopping on. I appreciate everybody going and hopping on Game Changers. Speaking of Kobe, I just bought his new black mamba it has all of his championships on the back it's incredible go check it out andy our super fan just bought a legion of boom shirt those are sweet um yeah thank you guys so much for hanging out we will be back on monday so cheers whoa